Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Motherkind podcast with me your host Zoe Blasky where each week I chat about all things motherhood and well-being. My mission with this podcast is to help you reconnect to you, to feel happier, more joyful, calmer and that little bit kinder to yourself because I think life as a mum in this hectic modern world is hard enough as it is. I believe becoming the happiest, most alive version of ourselves is the most important and inspiring thing we can do for our children. So before we get onto this week's episode, I wanted to tell you about my friend Clemmy Telford's new podcast, which is called But Why. I have been listening to it and absolutely loving it, so I think you might like it too. The podcast is about having honest conversations on tricky subjects. I loved the one she did with Matt Haig on mental health. It was brilliant. There is a new episode every Wednesday on all the usual platforms. I love it and I think you will too. So on to this week's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode. My guest this week is Jessica Ortner who is a leading expert in EFT tapping. And she's the co-founder of The Tapping Solution, a company which is on a mission to spread the power of EFT tapping. You might be thinking, what are you talking about, Zoe? What is EFT tapping? EFT stands for Emotional Freedom Technique. And tapping refers to the fact that this is a practice where you tap on nine different meridian lines in the body. So, be open-minded with this one. It does sound a bit out there if you've not seen it or done it before. And certainly as you're doing it, you can feel a little bit ridiculous, but the power of it is incredible. Early in my healing, so about 15 years ago, I really got into tapping to the point where I even thought, should I train as a teacher? Is this what I'm meant to bring forward to the world? I didn't end up doing that. As you know, if you know my story, I ended up doing the coach training, which is a lot of what I do now. But this episode with Jessica and reconnecting with her has absolutely reignited my love for tapping. And I'm going to be using it much, much more going forward. So the first thing that we talk about in this episode is what this technique is and why it works. And there is a lot of science behind it. There is a huge study done on how much tapping reduces cortisol, which is the stress hormone in our body. Jessica also leads us through an experience, a guided meditation of tapping. So you can listen along if you're listening or if you want to see the video of that so you can see where she's tapping on the body and what it looks like, then head over to Instagram. I will pop it on there. I'm hoping that by listening to this, you are going to be interested to learn a little bit more about tapping. So if you go to the tappingsolution.com, which is Jessica's website that she runs with her two brothers. It's definitely a family affair. You can learn more about tapping. There's loads of free videos on there and they also have this brilliant app which actually has a special section just for mums. So I cannot wait to hear what you think of this one. Let me know. Is it just too out there for you, too woo? Have you tried it? Do you love it? Or are you just absolutely not up for it? (laughs) Let me know and we can have a chat on Instagram hopefully about your experience of tapping and the episode. Here it is. So Jessica, welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to connect. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? Are you 33, 34 weeks pregnant? You know, it's obviously my second child because I don't quite remember if I'm 33 or 34, which is very much like 
happens when it's not your first. But yeah, my due date's coming up. I just have a few more weeks. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. The second pregnancy is so different than the first one, at least for me personally. I feel like the first one, you have so much time to think about it and to plan and to read all the books and do all the things. And this time being pregnant during a pandemic with a toddler and a business, it flew by. And all of a sudden I'm just a few weeks away to labor and I'm going, wait a, wait a second, I need to wrap my head around having a second child. (laughs) So if I'm being totally honest, it just crept up on me. I think that's a common experience. I had the same. How do you feel about having a second child? What emotions come up for you as you lean into that? For me personally, I had such a hard time the first time around with breastfeeding. I had a really long labor that ended with an emergency cesarean. Recovery was really hard. And there's just a really steep learning curve when it's your first time. So I really had to remind myself that I've learned so much from that first experience that the second one is not going to be the same because there has been fear around it. There has been some anxiety I am the person people come to to release anxiety. I am known as a a stress reduction expert. So it's been really interesting for me to be in that space again and go back to the basics of the things that I know. And, you know, I'm excited, but it's the same way that when you have one child, you feel like you're going in blind because you have nothing to compare it to. I think it's similar to the second one. People say your heart expands and you find a way to take care of too. But I think before you're in it, you just don't know. And that's what motherhood is. You can't study it. You just jump into the deep end. So what are some of those things you've been doing to ease that anxiety? So I teach a technique called tapping, where you tap on acupressure points to relieve stress. And the reason I was attracted to this 13 years ago is because I am a chronic overthinker. I'm a big planner. I'm type A and I have been since I was a child. And there's a lot of things in life where you can't think your way out of certain things. You can't think your way out of anxiety. You can tell yourself, you know what? I'll be fine. I'm going to be a great mom. But that feeling in the pit of your stomach or that pressure in your chest doesn't go away because our emotions are really physical. And so it's so interesting to have this chat with you now. And I was joking before we recorded that I had said no more podcasts because I'm so pregnant, but I was like, I have to do this with mother kind because being so close to having a second child has really reminded me of why I love what I do. For example, last night I was in bed and I was just talking to my husband about my worries and fears about labor and how to make it different this next time and what my thoughts are. And I started to listen to a recording that had positive birthing affirmations. And it really triggered me. Sometimes these things help, but sometimes it's like, if you have a certain anxiety and someone's like, it's okay, you got this. There's a part of you that's like, but I don't feel like I do. And I don't feel like you're honoring my experience. Suddenly you hear a positive statement, but you have a 
physical anxiety, you feel like there's almost this war inside of your head. You're battling with yourself. Like, I want to believe this positive affirmation, but my body doesn't get it. And so I had to just sit up for a second in bed, take my headphones off and just go back to the basics of saying, I'm going to do some tapping, which means I'm going to get clear on the thought that's creating this physical anxiety. And as I get clear on that thought, I'm going to start stimulating these acupressure points by just tapping on these points with my fingers. The reason that's important is when you have a thought, it's not just in your head, it's in your whole body. And so what you're doing with tapping is you're getting clear on the thought that's creating the physical anxiety as you stimulate these points. Now, what that does is as you stimulate these points, your body begins to calm down and it sends this calming signal to your brain. So you get to the point that you can have the negative thought but you feel calm in your body. The moment you have a negative thought, but you feel calm, that's the moment where you can say, is that really true? What's another way to look at this? What's a positive affirmation? It's like we have to weed before we plant seeds. And too often we're so busy trying to be positive that we're just like planting all these seeds without looking at the reality of, there's something here that needs to be pulled out that needs to be addressed that needs to be honored. And tapping really helps you do that. So yesterday, it's like how I fell asleep. I was like, I tapped and it's ridiculous to say it still surprises me, but it does. It's like I tapped and I felt better. And I was like, okay, yeah, this works. <laughs> what I've committed my life to really works. This is just a reminder because I was feeling so stuck. I think it's so true, isn't it? That when cortisol is cursing through our body and we've gone into that you know fight flight freeze trying then to think a positive thought that as you're describing the dissonance between the truth of what's going on which is what our body is telling us and trying to almost gaslight ourselves with positivity it just doesn't work I love the research around reduction of cortisol and tapping can you share for those people who still might be thinking is it this easy? What's the science? Those really rational listeners. It's incredible, the research, isn't it? Yes, it truly is. When I started this so many years ago, there wasn't research. And we didn't quite know how to explain how it worked. At that time, people would talk about acupressure points in the meridian system and energy, which I think is still very important, but what has evolved is there's been more research on what happens to the body and interestingly, what happens to the brain when you stimulate acupressure points. So there's a brilliant woman in Australia, Dr. Peter Stapleton at Bond University, who did a trial testing cortisol levels. Cortisol is often known as the stress hormone. We all need a little bit of cortisol, but when we're really stressed, we have an overproduction and that impacts our health in every way. It impacts our digestion, our metabolism, our immune system. And in the study, she tested people who were tapping compared to people who were reading about stress relief. And then another group who was reading magazines, they were like the placebo effect. And she found a significant decrease of cortisol for people who were doing the tapping. You know, usually this is my pregnancy brain. Usually I have the numbers memorized, but I'm going to bring them up real quick. And what I'll give you guys too, is we have a 45 page research package that shares so much research. So here it is. 
it decreased by 43%. So that's significant, 43% decrease of cortisol. The group that read about stress relief, their cortisol did go down. It went down by 19%. And the people who read magazines, it went up by 2%, which I find interesting. I think it shows that even sitting and reading a magazine these days, you can start to overthink and feel stressful. So here the data showed that tapping on these acupressure points reduces cortisol. There was also another study that showed the brain when you tap. And this study used people who were classified as struggling with obesity, and it was with food cravings. So what they did is they put these participants into an MRI scan. They scanned their brain. They showed them salts and sweets and all the things that they crave. And you see their brain lighting up like fireworks. You know, the pleasure center of the brain is lighting up. Then part of the group was the placebo. The other part did the tapping. A few weeks later, they put both groups back in. The placebo obviously didn't change. The brain was the same. But for those who were tapping on their cravings, you see the images of their brains and they're not lighting up anymore. And it showed that when it comes to food and cravings, there is an emotional aspect. You look at something sugary or salty and your brain is saying, should I have it? Should I not have it? Oh my God, I really want it. This craving, pleasure, pain, regret. Food also comes with emotions. And by having these participants tap on their emotions, they were able to look at the food and feel in control. It didn't feel like they had this high intensity of emotion that made them feel victim to the craving. So that was another great example that showed how tapping actually impacts the brain. And so since then, there's just been countless studies on the impact of tapping. And it's been amazing to be in the forefront and just to see these studies come out every year. Yeah, I mean, you and your brothers have just been leading the way. I think I first discovered your work with a documentary That long ago. That long ago. Yeah, I've been following along ever since. So can you just describe for us how someone does it? Like, where does someone start if you want to use this incredible tool? You start by getting clear on the thought that's creating the physical anxiety. Some people call it the most pressing issue. So just the thing that's really annoying you today, the thing that feels stressful. And sometimes we're so used to stress that we don't actually know exactly what it is, especially as a parent. There's like a million things and you're wondering, well, what do I focus on? Focus on the thing that's taking most of your mental attention in the moment. It doesn't have to be the biggest thing you're dealing with, but the thing that's in the forefront. If you're still not sure and you're thinking, I just feel it in my body. You can simply start by focusing on the pressure in your chest or the feeling in your stomach. So the first thing is to get clear on what you want to tap on, what you want to focus on when you're tapping. Because again, we're bringing up a thought that creates a physical response. Now we're tapping, we're sending that calming signal back to the brain so our body can relax even with that thought. It's very hard to tell someone to control your thought. You're not, someone tells you you're not allowed to think a negative thought. It's horrible. You can't. Don't think of an elephant in the room. Everyone's now picturing an elephant. So what we do is not control our thoughts. We get clear on the thoughts that feel like they're controlling us. And so you get clear on that thought. And then you start by tapping on the side of the hand and it's right underneath your pinky. And this is called the karate chop point. And you always start here by saying the setup statement 
this is how you start tapping with this statement. You simply say, even though I feel this anxiety, even though I feel all of this guilt around something I did, you say, I accept myself and how I feel. Before we go into some tapping, let me break that down. You always start by saying, this is how I feel. And either I accept myself and how I feel. If that feels like a pill that's too hard to swallow, you can simply say, I honor how I feel. I honor how I feel and I'm okay. The reason we start here is it's about letting go of resistance. So oftentimes we're mad and then we're mad at ourselves for being mad. We don't give ourselves permission to have a feeling. So by simply starting off by saying, this is how I feel. And even though this is how I feel, I honor it or I accept it. It really helps take away some of the charge and it allows you to have a more honest conversation as you begin to tap. Then you tap on the other points while you give a voice to what's bothering you. So you can say the same thing over and over again, this guilt, this guilt, this guilt, or you can pretend that you're calling a girlfriend and you're telling her what happened this afternoon that got you so upset and you tell the story while you tap. Another alternative is we have incredible tapping meditations where you choose to do a tapping meditation on frustration or anxiety And within the Tapping Solution app, our app, we guide you through tapping where you just repeat after us. And it's a more guided experience if you don't feel comfortable doing it on your own. So I can talk you through the tapping points. The first point is underneath the pinky on the side of the hand, also known as the karate chop point. Then we have the eyebrow point and I'm using two fingers and you tap where the hair of your eyebrow begins. You can tap on one side or both sides. The next point is the side of the eye and it's where the bone is. So it's not back where your temple is. It's right where the bone is on the side of your eye. And if you're listening to this, just tap along with me. This is the best way to learn is to interact. So the next point is underneath the eye on the bone. Then we have underneath the nose, between the upper lip and the nose. Then underneath the mouth, which is the crease between the chin and the lip. We have the collarbone point. If you feel the U-shaped bone underneath your throat and you go down an inch and over an inch on either side, you're going to hit it. Or if you feel your collarbone and just go down an inch, you'll hit it on either side. Then we have underneath the arm, which is a hand width from your armpit. For women, it tends to be where your bra strap lies. And then we have the very top of the head. So the great thing about tapping, or we also call this EFT, is that these are nine points. You have acupressure points all over your body, but we focus on these nine points that we find to be really powerful. And it means that no matter what you're focusing on, you're always using the nine points. So once you learn these nine points, it's something that you have for the rest of your life. And I do want to mention that kids love this. We have tapping meditations for kids. Adults think it's silly. And I understand it looks a little silly, especially when you're tapping on the top of your head. Kids, surprisingly, Don't question it and really get into it. So we've had such great success with kids. That being said, would you like, should we jump into an experience? Yeah, love that. What do you think? Yeah. So let's talk about stress. We'll keep it general because I know everyone's going through different things. But since this is all about motherhood, let's think about maybe some stress around being a parent right now. Any anxiety? You know, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Think about the anxiety and pressure that you feel around doing it right. 
and whether you're keeping it up or whether you're doing enough and just the questions that we have often as parents. Think about those and notice any anxiety in your body. Notice if you feel pressure in your chest or in your stomach or in your shoulders. And when you think about that stress, give it a number from zero to 10. We like to measure the before and after so that we can see our progress. So 10 is very, very stressed. Zero, you feel at peace. Where are you on that zero to 10 scale right now? And we're going to do some tapping together. So let's start tapping on the side of the hand. And if you could repeat after me, for those who are listening, you can repeat out loud or either in your mind. So if you can repeat out loud, that would be helpful. So tap me on the side of the hand. Even though I have a lot of responsibilities. Even though I have a lot of responsibilities. And I'm feeling all of this stress. And I'm feeling all of this stress. I honor how I feel. I honor how I feel. And I give my body permission to relax. And I give my body permission to relax. Even though being a parent during the pandemic. Even though being a parent during the pandemic. Is incredibly difficult. Is incredibly difficult. And I often feel like I'm failing. And I often feel like I'm failing. I honor how hard this has been. I honor how hard this has been. And I give my body permission to relax. And I give my body permission to relax. Even though I have so much stress. Even though I have so much stress. And it feels impossible to let go of. And it feels impossible to let go of. I'm open to begin to see this in a new way. I'm open to begin to see this in a new way. And to give my body a break. And to give my body a break. Tapping on the eyebrow point, we're actually going to give a voice to these feelings. So eyebrow point, all of this pressure. All of this pressure. Side of the eye, all of this anxiety. All of this anxiety. Under the eye, I keep questioning myself. I keep questioning myself. Under the nose, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? Under the mouth, am I doing enough for my family? Am I doing enough for my family? Collarbone, life has been stressful. Life has been stressful. Under the arm, and there's so much uncertainty. And there's so much uncertainty. Top of the head, around how long this will last. Around how long this will last. Eyebrow, I'm at my wit's end. I'm at my wit's end. Side of the eye, all of this pressure. All of this pressure. Under the eye, this anxiety in my body. This anxiety in my body. Under the nose, part of me believes I need it. Part of me believes I need it. Under the mouth, because if I'm not worried. Because if I'm not worried. Collarbone, does it mean I don't care enough? Does it mean I don't care enough? Under the arm, all these beliefs around stress. All these beliefs around stress. Top of the head, that I can't let it go. That I can't let it go. Eyebrow, until my kids behave. Until my kids behave. Side of the eye, I can't let it go. I can't let it go. Under the eye, until things are back to normal. Until things are back to normal. Under the nose, but I'm so tired. But I'm so tired. Under the mouth, and I feel it in my body. And I feel it in my body. Collarbone, I'm ready to look at this in a new way. I'm ready to look at this in a new way. Under the arm, even within all this mess. Even within all this mess. Top of the head, I'm open to more peace. I'm open to more peace. Eyebrow, even when I don't do things perfectly. 
even when I don't do things perfectly. Side of the eye, I'm open to more peace. I'm open to more peace. Under the eye, I've been so hard on myself. I've been so hard on myself. Under the nose, and I'm open to a new way. And I'm open to a new way. Under the mouth, it's safe to release this pressure. It's safe to release this pressure. Collarbone, this pressure to do things perfectly. This pressure to do things perfectly. Under the arm, this pressure to have all the answers. This pressure to have all the answers. Top of the head, I come back to my body. I come back to my body. Eyebrow, I come back to my breath. Come back to my breath. Side of the eye, and I give my body permission to relax. And I give my body permission to relax. Under the eye, it's safe to let go of some of the stress. Safe to let go of some of this stress. Under the nose, because right now and right here. Because right now and right here. Under the mouth, I am enough. I am enough. Collarbone, right now and right here. Right now and right here. I am safe. I am safe. Under the arm, releasing this tension from my body. Releasing this tension from my body. Top of the head, feeling more calm and centered. Feeling more calm and centered. All right, now take a nice deep breath in. And then exhale. Take a moment to check in with your body. I like to move my shoulders and just tune back in with my body. And notice if you can breathe deeper. I noticed just from some tapping, I can take a deeper breath and it's like my lungs can take in more air. Notice for you that number again on that zero to 10 scale when you think of that stress and notice if that number shifted at all. Maybe it went from a 10 to a seven, a nine to a four. Just check in and know how it shifted. How is that for you? Yeah, it was brilliant. Interestingly, I feel tired now. Yeah. Well, I think that's great. I think too, when you're doing an interview, it's like there's a little bit of an adrenaline rush and all of a sudden you're able to really like relax and let your body just soften. And some people experience a lot of yawning when they're releasing. It's like their whole body can let go. So feeling tired is okay. It can be an invitation to just kind of take a break, take a breath. Yeah. And I love how you say, you know, the point of tapping is not to make everything rosy. It's not to make everything kind of glossy and shiny. It's a technique by which we can access more quickly the truth of a situation or what we need. And I wonder if, you know, that experience you just gave, like, I think I need to get a really early night tonight. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like that kind of has this ability and tapping does this to me every time I do it to kind of cut through the noise in my head. Yeah, for sure. It's really hard. It's actually, I think, impossible to be creative and innovative and resourceful when we're really stressed out. You know, Albert Einstein would say that he would get the best ideas shaving. And I don't think it was the shaving cream. You know, there are moments in your day when you're just relaxed and you get those ideas and you get that inspiration. But as parents, We have to claim those moments. Those moments don't come to us naturally. So to claim it, it might mean 10 minutes doing a tapping meditation. And then all of a sudden you can look at what you're facing and you can see it differently. For example, to loop back to what we were talking about when I said that last night I was feeling stressed and I had to sit up in bed and I had to tap. 
And after I finished tapping, I felt calm. But the thought that came in my head was I've been so focused on labor on this new transition that I hadn't been looking at the excitement of Enzo having a sibling of, you know, what life will look like, what our summer will look like. It was like, I was so focused on just labor and being like, okay, I need it to be different than last time. Or I hope it's not so difficult. Or I hope those first few weeks I feel better equipped. And I was so focused on the fear of that moment that I wasn't looking at, even as a first time mom, that phase, that little moment, even though it was difficult, it passed. And I have a two-year-old toddler and I love it. I absolutely love it. And so it made me go, wait, let me get really excited about this new chapter. And it's hard to say that because I can imagine someone saying, well, how are you not excited? But that's what happens as a parent sometimes is like you forget the excitement because you're so focused on the logistics and how to make it work and how to make a mistake that you don't let yourself go, wow, this is actually my dream My dream is coming true. I've always wanted to be a mother. Like this is part of my dream, but making dreams come true can be stressful. Whether it's having another child or taking a step in your career, change is unnerving because your unconscious mind, its primary goal is to keep you safe. And what is safe? Certainty and where you are now. Playing it small and not taking chances feels a lot easier sometimes and a lot safer, even when we're miserable than going for what we want. And so being able to allow yourself to go, oh, these are growing pains that I'm experiencing. So instead of the extra judgment, how can I tap and release my anxiety so I can navigate this new frontier? What I think is so interesting and something that I love that you teach is this pattern of panic, which is when we get stuck or frustrated and we look outside of ourselves for answers and I think that's almost what happened last night wasn't it you were feeling these feelings and you looked outside of yourself at these meditations and they just didn't work and what tapping gave you is a break in that cycle to enable you to access your own wisdom which is what you did do you see that pattern a lot in mothers kind of looking for answers outside of ourselves. I mean, you mentioned like reading all the parenting books, like Googling, like, and how can we use tapping to access more of that truth? Sometimes that truth is, I don't know. And I do need to go and speak to someone, but it's different than that perpetual seeking thinking. I just in that panic, as you describe it. Yeah. Let me break down the panic first, because I think it would be helpful. This is the challenge with stress and panic is that sometimes it does work. So for example, this is just the easiest example when it comes to food, diet, right? Suddenly you're like, oh, I want to lose weight. I don't like how I look. Panic, panic, panic. Let me start a diet. And most people can lose a few pounds in a week. Like it works. You panic and you make a decision and maybe there is some result. But then what happens is because it's fueled by pressure and panic, we get exhausted and then we begin to sabotage ourselves. So we just go back to the way we were doing things before. And then it's this constant loop of stressing, taking action through panic, then exhaustion and going back to the beginning. And the tricky thing about the pattern of panic is that we often don't see it because we've stressed our way to things before, right? Like it's very hard to stress yourself to an answer, but we've definitely pushed ourselves to the limits as parents and been like, maybe if I stress, maybe if I panic, 
I'll get some kind of answer and we do get a little bit, but it's never sustainable and it never is fulfilling. And so it's being able to say, I have never really been able to panic or stress myself to change that lasts to a new place, right? It's always this pattern. It's always this revolving door that I'm stuck in. So I think part of it is to say that I don't need the stress and I don't need this worry as parents, especially as mothers, worry is just such a big part. And it doesn't mean that you never worry about your child, but we have often been conditioned to believe that if we don't worry about the future, it means we don't care. And there's a difference between caring and worry. And the difference is the anxiety that we're feeling in the moment and not allowing that worry to rob us of our present moment. We can't control everything. And I think that's the thing that motherhood, I mean, is just a brutal teacher is that you can't predict and control everything anymore. It's just a huge lesson in letting go. And so we can fight it or we can find more ease by doing some tapping and then going within to figure out Maybe the answer is that I don't have one yet. Maybe the answer is being present with my child. I don't know how to solve this problem. I have a toddler who won't poop in the body. I read all the books and all of them are like, you know what? Just be with them. Let them know it's safe. The time will come. And for someone who likes to go from A to B and have a strategy, that can be really hard. But you can't make a child eat or use the bathroom, or there's certain things that you can't make them do. And so by doing something like tapping and training yourself to go within, you're also more present with what is. And when you stop trying to fight what is, you can dance with what is. You can make it work. You can have a softness. And kids definitely really react so much better than that, than the pressure that they feel when you really want them to do something. Yeah, because they're energetic beings, really, aren't they? So they mirror back, not the words, but the energy. Yeah. And so, and so let's talk about that, because you mentioned this kind of emotion. And how does tapping help us free up that emotion to move through us? And what would you say to someone who's kind of really scared of having that happen, who might be quite invested in pushing away those feelings or just pretending that they're not there? Have you heard that before of people singing, I just don't want to feel that sadness. I don't want to feel the grief. I don't want to feel the guilt. It feels too much. And tapping is going to bring that up, isn't it? It does, but it's a softness and you don't need to go where you don't want to. I mean, the same way that you shouldn't pressure your children to do certain things that they kind of can rebel against it. We're the same. If we feel this pressure of, I have to go to the deepest, darkest place to release it, there's a certain resistance to it. But if you can say, okay, how can I be soft with this? How can I just say, even though I have the sadness, I accept how I feel? How can I tap and just focus on the body sensation of my sadness without having to go into the depth of it? There are moments when we do go to the depth of it, but that's the moment that we feel is safe. We never want to go anywhere that doesn't feel safe. So if it doesn't feel safe for you, then honor that. And maybe the challenge is that you're creating this pressure on yourself that it needs to be so intense in order for you to seek relief. Start with simply some softness and saying, I'm going to tap on how I'm feeling, this thing that happened today. I'm going to tap while focusing on the pressure in my chest and that's it. I don't want to talk about what's behind the pressure on my chest. I just want to talk about the pressure on my chest. Just start there 
And it really is such a gentle process to help you relieve stress. This is a thing, it's about safety. We don't want to go where we don't feel safe. And so with every step of the way, if we can use tapping, it feels safer to have these conversations. There's a difference between tapping and telling a story of what happened and talking to your friend and getting more upset as you're telling the story. Usually because you're stimulating the points and your body's more relaxed, you can tell a story of what happened with more ease. And the more ease you have, the easier it is to move forward. I think there's too much pressure that in order to have a big result, you have to suffer through it. And I really don't believe that. I feel like it's about ease and safety. Yeah, it's such a good point. And I think it's, you know, linked to, you know, we talk about children and children won't go somewhere they don't feel safe and nor will our inner child, right? Right, exactly. And I think thinking about the inner child is so helpful because I had this pattern for many years that I thought the fact that I was hard on myself made me a better person. I really thought that the self-criticism I had meant that I was self-aware. And when I looked at this, the way I was treating myself, but I thought of a child and I thought, okay, if there was a six-year-old, and all I did was tell her that she wasn't doing good enough and that she could do better, would that child thrive? And they wouldn't. Constantly being criticized every single day for not being enough and told that you need to do better, you don't thrive in that environment. So if I wouldn't do that for a child, why would I expect myself to thrive under those same circumstances? How did you change that critical voice? that critical narrative? I was a very slow learner. I think it took me a very long time and a lot of pain to realize, oh, this isn't working. I'm doing the same thing over and over again, and I'm expecting my life to be different. I'm trying to hate myself happy. I'm trying to criticize myself thin. I'm trying to shame myself wealthy. You know, I was all of this pushing just wasn't working. And it was tapping. It was bringing me back into my body. I was so stuck in my head that I had to get back into my body and into my heart. And now I have a different relationship with that voice. If we have the expectation that we can never be self-critical or anytime we think something negative, we're doing something wrong, that's an immense amount of pressure to put on a human being. We have all these thoughts for a reason. And so now whenever I have that critical voice, I know to stop and go, okay, usually it's a part of me that needs some love and reassurance. It doesn't need to be pushed away or even listened to. There's a part of me that's being critical because I'm scared of what someone else might think, or I'm scared of a certain outcome. And so what I need is not to fight that voice. What I need is more self-love and reassurance. So how do I give myself that? The biggest thing that changed is The voice doesn't ever disappear forever. It's just quieter. And when you notice it, you have a different response than you did before. What are some of the things that your critical voice has said to you since you've become a mother? And how have you shifted that? Oh, that's a great one. In the beginning, because I was not sleeping and I was really struggling with early motherhood, I did have moments when I thought, I'm a bad mom because I didn't like it. All I wanted to be was a mom. And all of a sudden I have this little baby and I'm so tired and I'm struggling with breastfeeding and I'm struggling with nights. And I'm thinking, 
I don't like this. And am I allowed to not like this? Because this is all I've ever wanted. And so there is this, you know, immense amount of guilt in that moment. And what would help me when I would have those moments to tap was to remind myself that we aren't ourselves when we're sleep deprived and we're going through something that I don't need to believe everything that I think is the biggest thing. And if that critical voice is telling me that I need self-care, well, that was really apparent in those first few months of having a newborn. And there was something about making peace with the situation that this isn't going to be perfect, but it's also, I don't have to judge myself for struggling through this phase. It's like the moment I took the pressure of needing to love it and be perfect, that's when I could just sink into the experience and start to find moments of joy. It's the pressure to love it. It's the pressure to completely, you know, not be tired and be optimistic that I felt to be so challenging. There was something about accepting like, yeah, this is really hard. And right now I'm not loving it, but I still love this child. And I accept this feeling. I accept this moment in my life. And I think the reason people are so attracted to your work and mothers really have united online. Like we have this platform online that our own mothers didn't have. I mean, let's just think about that. Like our own mothers at two o'clock in the morning could not Google something to figure out if it was normal that they wanted to murder their partner because they were sleeping and they were breastfeeding. But now we have funny jokes about it and we can text our friends about it and say, is it normal that I want to strangle him when I see him sleeping so soundly, when I'm so sleep deprived and you laugh and there's like a lightness and you get through it. And so that's the softness that I'm always looking for. It's not the perfection. It's the acceptance of what is so I can move through it with a bit more grace. Yeah. It's so true, isn't it? That the removal of that pressure, just allowing us to ease into what is and just be with what is which of course is what every spiritual teacher on the planet has been trying to tell us for millennia just be with what is and you will dissolve all stress right that's where at what do you still struggle with is there anything that you still kind of regularly find yourself tapping on that comes up time and time again for you I think right now like I mentioned before it definitely is finding ease and change. There's so much uncertainty. I'm really bad with uncertainty. I love to know. I love to plan. And all of a sudden, when your life has a big change, like a new baby, you're uncertain, like, well, what will work look like with two kids? When do I want to go back to work? What hours do I want to start? What was helpful the second time around is that you figured out the first time around that the answers reveal themselves with time. Like you can't actually know. And so what at least I feel like I'm so better this time is not trying to strategize when I don't have the whole picture of it yet and letting go. So a big part for me is letting go and trusting that I don't have the answers. And I think when it comes to stress, there's two things that cause stress. It's uncertainty and lack of control. Those two things create stress in the body. Uncertainty, pandemic, lack of control pandemic, you know, uncertainty, motherhood, lack of control, motherhood, like those things are in nature a bit stressful because we don't have complete control and we don't have complete certainty. And so if we know that's what we're up against, that's why we have to be really serious about a practice to help relieve stress and to help us trust 
and to know that it doesn't come natural because we're not wired to just trust. (laughs) We're wired for survival. We're wired to worry. We're wired to look out for danger. And sometimes that can help us, but we need to know that when we're at home and we're safe with our child and we're worried about the news, well, that news isn't in our house. That event isn't happening in our house. And so we're robbing ourselves from the peace that we can experience in the moment. So a lot of this is coming back to your body and letting your body know that it's safe. So it doesn't need to have that fight or flight response. You mentioned practice. Is tapping like meditation, do you do it every day or do you do it when you need to move through something? Tell us what that looks like. I think every day is so powerful. And still, if you tell me I have to do something every day, I don't want to do it. It's just my nature. I don't want another thing on my plate. So I think what's essential is giving yourself 10 or 15 minutes a day to yourself as a parent. Like you have to claim that time. You have to claim a second, even if it means going into the bathroom and just sitting on the toilet and taking a few deep breaths. And what I love about tapping is that you can just turn on a tapping meditation, just sit for 10 minutes and do some tapping. And if one day you're like, you know, I just want to sit for 10 minutes and just think about something or listen to a song. I mean, for me, it's just about claiming that time. And I do find it so powerful to do tapping daily. And it's something that I do. You know, I'm so hesitant when someone's like, you have to do something every day, just like this, especially as a parent, because you like have enough. I'm all about like having less pressure, you know, and there are certain times that you kind of fall out of it. And then you realize, oh, I'm really stressed. I want to get back to tapping daily. And I think whether it's tapping or meditation, I think that ebb and flow is is normal. Like, I just don't know anyone who's like a robot who does everything perfectly every day. <laughs> no, I, exactly. That's exactly my view. And I think, you know, with my experience, what tends to happen is I get really good at the daily practice and I'm like, oh my God, I feel amazing. This really works. And whether it's, you know, meditation or tapping or incorporating journaling or, and then something happens and I kind of go off the bandwagon and then, and then I'm like, I'll almost wake up like a week later and be like, oh, that's why I start to feel like this because I've not been doing that. And it's you're right, it is that kind of cycle. But with clients, I often say like, we need those times in order to motivate us because if we stopped doing the thing and nothing changed and we didn't feel worse or less grounded, clearly that thing wasn't working very well then. So right. I think I think there's a real benefit in being able to see the light and shade of these tools. For me, it helps keeps me really motivated to keep on this path because I get to experience what it feels like when I step off and I don't like it, basically. Yeah. And I think we're often in like denial. I think with last night, just this, my due date creeping up on me, I think I was just going through the motions. I think I was in denial, right? Like sometimes you have a stress, but you're just busy. So you don't sit with it until it's late at night, early in the morning. And suddenly that's when you feel it. And that's when sometimes you have to say, oh, okay. I've been feeling the stress, but I've just kind of been pushing it. It's been a little bit unconscious. And so sometimes at night in those quiet moments, that feeling can finally come up and you can address it. Yeah, I think that's why so many mums, you know, say I'm desperate to get an early night and then they try to get one in their head, just think, 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 because there's no space in the day often. In our Tapping Solution app, we have a free tapping meditation called Quiet the Racing Mind and it's before sleep and it is one of our most popular ones. 
I'm not surprised to hear that. (laughs) So what are the plans for, you know, I know you've kind of lent into seeing what unfolds, but do you have a sense of kind of what will happen when the baby comes? Are you going to keep working? Tell us a bit about that. I definitely won't be working for a while. I feel personally like at least in the United States, three months is the average that women take off. And I remember getting to three months with my first child and going, no, (laughs) this child is still so dependent on me. I just don't feel ready. So what helped me is I actually, before I had my first child, Enzo, I called other female entrepreneurs because I'm in a unique situation where I can have some control. And I think with the pandemic, the upside is because we're working virtually there's a little more control on how to set our schedule, but I definitely am privileged that I have the ability to kind of say, this is how I want to do it. So after three months, I'm looking to kind of slowly come in. Everyone knows in those three months, I'm only responding to things if I want to, but I'm really trying to set things up so that I am not available and I'm just fully in motherhood. And then it really was chunks for me. It was like, after three months, I felt like I could respond to emails and do basic things, but I couldn't do like a big work project. And for me, it really wasn't until six months that I could do more. And it wasn't until like nine months that I felt like I had some control, that I felt some confidence in my ability to just get these big projects done. So the way that it unfolded the first time is that I didn't have to come back all at once. I took things in chunks and slowly put more on my plate. But I did feel like between six and nine months, that's when I felt like I found some type of rhythm that was better. Before that, it was really hard for me to do anything. Yeah, I had the same experience. I had the same. You did? Yeah, exactly. I, I came back. Well, with my first, who's now five, I had a year where I did no work for a year. And that's actually why I think the seeds of mother kind were able to be planted because that's when I birthed her and then I birthed mother kind and I don't think it would have happened if I'd have gone back into my old work yeah and then with Rose my second who's now 15 months I took three months off totally and then started to dip back in and did it very slowly but you're right it is a privileged position to be able to do that for sure because there, so yeah. many people don't have that and is there anything that you we haven't touched on that you know I know this is hard because you have decades of experience but is there anything that you think I really really just want mothers to know this I feel that the biggest lesson that I've had to learn in my life and I've mentioned this earlier but that I can't hate myself happy I can't push myself forward, that all the struggle and anxiety and the pushing, it's not sustainable. You know, it helps us for a moment. It helps us maybe take a few steps, but it's exhausting. And we always find ourselves sabotaging ourselves. And for me, sabotaging myself was through food. Food was like the one way that I could just take a break for myself because I had no other way to take a break. And so I always felt this constant struggle with food, this constant struggle with my body, my body image. It wasn't until I decided that I was tired of fighting myself, that I wanted to have a softness and bring in that self-love. And I know it sounds so cliche to say self-love, but it's so much easier when we think about our children and how much we hope that they have that self-love and that esteem. And at least being a mother, 
we have that new perspective. And so let's mother ourselves. Let's be a mama bear to ourselves. Let's set boundaries for ourselves. Like we set boundaries for our children so that we can thrive and so that we can take care of ourselves. So I think the biggest lesson for me is to take this mothering energy that I have towards my child and also apply it to myself. Yeah. And I love that you say all change starts with at least some seedlings of self-love because as you say you cannot change through hate it just doesn't work and I always ask the same question at the end of every episode which is if you could give just one gift to all the mothers in the world what would that one gift be and why grace that they're easy on themselves you know the one gift is that they have a kinder voice when they make a mistake and they have a little more patience and grace with themselves the way that they do with their children most of the time that's beautiful thank you so much thank you thank you for having me so that was the episode i hope that you really enjoyed it as ever if you did please consider sharing it with your friends and leaving me a review on itunes it really does make a difference to the number of mums that we can reach with the brilliant wisdom of the guests I have on. Also, just a reminder about the Family Reset Plan. It's my latest offering to parents. I think that we are living in probably the challenge of our lifetimes. Well, definitely so far. And as parents, we not only have to support ourselves, we also have to support our children. And that is a lot. So the Family Reset Plan is myself and two brilliant psychologists and we give you step-by-step, simple, applicable ways that you can support yourself emotionally to feel stronger, calmer, and therefore to support your children in a different way. It's all grounded in psychology and neuroscience. It's just £25 currently. And if you work for the NHS, it is totally free for you. So check out the website, familyresetplan.co.uk. Take care, I'll see you next time.